Uh, there's a nurse convention at uh, the Kalapuya, so you tell them to finally find yourself a girlfriend. Or luck, boyfriend, because that's the world we live in. Yeah. Um, so. Okay, so. Mm-hmm. She's like, mm-hmm. He's way too, way too, like, awful to be get a good gay. Oh. Would you but set straight your gay up with Straight men are the fucking worst, no. so. <laughs> yeah, cut that one. Can, can confirm. <laughs> Divorce twice, so. <laughs> yeah, hard no. Okay, Um. welcome to episode five of Business Under the Influence, which is a casual and educational podcast in which these three married consultants embark on an alcohol-fueled romp. Is that the word that we're going to use? In the world of millennial business in the 21st century, we also, if it was unclear, are drinking during this episode. So um, to my left is Ben Howarth. Howarth? Howarth? I don't actually know how to say your last name. Whatever you prefer. Ben Howarth third who is very knowledgeable in the area of all things startups and financial wizardry and is super passionate about um, startups and helping people get going on their journey to entrepreneurship and business ownership. Fun fact, he is also the owner of the largest Beanie Baby collection west of New Zealand. It's true. All right. Uh, <laughs> David, we're going this way, right? Just yeah. Okay. Yeah, sorry. I think I, I fucked. I fucked <laughs> it up. But go on. All yeah. right. This is my good friend David. He has over forty years' experience in uh, the military and management of various kinds between several Fortune 50 companies. Uh, fun fact about him is that he refused to give his health elf a sock. Hashtag give the sock. Hashtag free the elves. So this is uh, Kristen. Um, she will be referred to by herself as the better sibling. Uh, she will be referred to by our mother as that one. Uh, she has a lot of experience in business, having worked her way up um, the hard way and uh, really understanding the nitty gritty of the day to day of how to make a business run successfully, uh, which is why she now runs a business teaching you how you can avoid those pitfalls. Uh, fun fact about Kristen is she actually once wrestled an alligator at a state fair for one thousand dollars oh that was a good day that was a good day that was great yeah dude i fucking kicked that thing's ass too like and the funnel (laughs) yeah funnel cakes dude that's that's what's up what are we talking about this episode oh pitch decks in which ben is especially wizardous in wizardly oh we forgot we're also drinking what are we drinking oh i forgot uh so uh we we let off with uh shots of pendleton from the fine establishment of pendleton oregon a uh, purveyor of whiskey um and we are now leading off with uh i have a montucky cold snack unicorn edition mm-hmm. oh it's a pride month light, edition love drinkable, it mm-hmm. wonderful for floating the river I am running the, uh, I went, uh, he went whimsy, I went uh, pain and darkness, so we are going with the Boneyard RPM IPA with the skull on the front, uh, so you know it kicks. Yeah, that's how you know it's dangerous. Yeah. Um, I have selected the finest 2020 Firesteed Oregon Pinot Noir oh, with a s- screw top, yep, um, the screw tops are where it's at. And I'm also, ironically, drinking it in my very fancy Rydell glass, yeah. <laughs> which well, which I was gifted for Christmas from the less better sibling. So a uh, fun fact, actually, about uh, Firesteed is they actually, those are probably the first years of the new owner's wine. Oh! Firesteed was bought probably about four years ago, so you're probably starting to get the stuff <clears throat> that was cast that long ago. So you're, you're, getting, the, uh, you're getting the new <laughs> batch. It was founded oh. in 1992. Mm-hmm. It doesn't yeah, have they, any cool updates. Yeah, just they, the they, sold, uh, they sold a while ago. So they had really cheap wine for a while. It was phenomenal. Listen to our podcast. For I mean, this was like, this was $14. So it's not bad either. No, I'm sure it's oh, no, the Rydell glass. Yeah. It's because you get the, yeah, you get the full uh, nose from the Rydell glass. Other fun fact, yes. Mosaki is 8%. No, that's back to local. Oh, I feel like I feel like that was information we should have had <laughs> earlier. <laughs> just just says eight um, percent in front of the can. If, you yeah, you just, if you stop <laughs> reading at the numbers, <laughs> it's an extremely light beer. Like uh, oh, that's different. Um, other fun fact: Do you remember when I accidentally got drunk at 
how many towns was it one town do you have two towns is that yeah, you? Two towns, where did we yeah. go we went somewhere where you have a mug on the wall and i'm allergic yeah, to california the sad yeah. fun fact yeah yeah yep and so i was like yeah i'll get a cider and then after two i realized that it was 10 percent alcohol <laughs> and i was pretty drunk yeah because i was like what the fuck is wrong with me like I'm talking way too much. I'm saying things that don't matter. And then I like <laughs> picked up the bottle and looked at it and I was like, oh, this is spicy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I assume, you know, you're just it's like four to five percent. Nope. It was double that. <laughs> so anywho, um, what next? Oh yeah, pitch decks. So um <laughs> Ben is an expert in pitch decks <laughs> and um what do you call that whole like concept of helping people get financing for their startups and stuff i mean in general you'll refer to venture capital like we are seeking funding or we're in a, a various series round of funding seed series a series b but with venture capital is kind of the industry of like unicorns i want the next facebook the next snapchat we're we're pitching for five million dollars because we think we have an incredible idea that is the universe of venture capital, where you're going to see smaller firms, you know, they might raise $10 million in a year to the massive classic firms in the Bay Area, raising like millions, potentially billions of dollars in rounds of funding for startups. Uh, That's crazy. Yeah. And then their, their entire job, it's kind of like a more cocaine fueled stock market, if I'm honest, where people with millions and billions of dollars uh, evaluate startups, startups pitch to them, they propose ideas, and they are invested in. And this is, you know, this is a pool that's investing in a lot of various startups in the world of venture capital. If I have $10 million, I might invest in a shit ton of $100,000 startups, a bunch of small ones. I might invest $5 million in one startup and $5 million in another because they're a little bit farther along. They've already shown first revenue or things like that. And so you're kind of sitting down at this table and gambling with a shit ton of money based on how well you think not just an idea is going to do like there's so much more to a startup than the idea um and we can i can rant about that for hours but you are betting on whether this new business is going to be the next facebook so for someone who doesn't know it's shark tank yeah oh shark tank but yeah televised I never remember Shark Tank because it's the most like <laughs> awkward amalgamation of like maybe venture capital, but sort of not really because they there's so many things. Because it's also missing. entertainment. Factor. Yeah, because it's yeah. entertainment. I mean, Shark so, Tank. So like, what's the big difference between the two? Honestly, the biggest difference between Shark Tank and an actual VC world is they only look at one facet. Uh, if you, the people on Shark Tank are extremely knowledgeable, like the judges, Mark Cuban and others. Uh, they like they know what they're talking about. I don't disagree with that. But for entertainment value, they are purely looking at and are only presented the the base idea. You know, the five sentence here it is. And for the most part, it's largely plastic, single box, or big box goods. You know, I made a glow dog collar. Cool. They aren't getting proposed a new business model, a way to reinvent the insurance industry or things like that, that other startups might be. Hmm. So on Shark Tank, you're looking at a very small subset, and then you're also missing every other facet that makes a startup, such as the team. Uh, who has experienced this issue? Who is the one driving this to market? Uh, do they actually, where are they in their journey and what sort of plan have they put together thus far? So like if I went into a VC firm to pitch and all I had seen was Shark Tank, they're then going to follow up with being like, okay, well, how much experience do you have bringing the product oh, to market? Like, and I would be like, what's any of the words you're saying? Yeah, they are going to put their foot just like right up there, just right up the asshole. Yeah. Is, uh, so what's what's the definition of like what's the difference between a startup and like starting a business Ooh, excellent question a uh, bit of a tangent but there are oh. kind of two different big genres one is called a lifestyle business which is a new business that is well understood you know if i wanted to start a house painting business in the pacific northwest super easy honestly there's a pretty big demand for it you have set costs set materials you have a lot of examples of people doing it before you can create a house painting company 
A startup is generally a novel, keyword novel, or new way to do something, to interact with the world, a new product to bring to market, a new way to make money, uh, whatever it might be. You are embarking on something where there is no established way to do it. So like a novel, and this is probably not a great example, but a novel idea of a house painting company would be what if we took youth during the summer who didn't have school <laughs> and we coated them in paint and then launched them via catapult at the walls of a house yes that's a novel way so that's a startup house painting that is company fact, versus a like lifestyle house painting college company. works painting with that no. uh, i'm sure most of the country is familiar with college works painting mm -hmm. internships but launching children covered in paint in a house is in fact a new way to paint a house so that would be the startup <laughs> versus the lifestyle way of starting correct that where you get a ford transit van where you get a paint sprayer where you yeah. evaluate your cost of materials and you're like all right i'm gonna go a find catapult some but instead correct. like this one you're like uh that looks like a 14 kid job <laughs> <laughs> maybe 15 maybe 15 if yeah so i'm gonna more. i'm gonna bid yeah. 18 so i can actually clear some costs right yeah okay right so that's yeah. what you would so it's more of like if you're like inventing something in some way shape or form yes yeah okay that makes sense because it's like i it's like <laughs> referencing shark tank too because that's really the only like somewhat real life example i've seen too is um it's like this new knickknack that folds your laundry for you or some shit like that you know which i oh. think is actually a real one like there's like those little boards and you like fold shirts and shit um get them at bed bath and beyond anyway you can just like insert your yeah. shirt in and then it folds it for you you can also just cut cardboard and that does it that's yeah. what we did at yeah uh, past company <laughs> um. <laughs> that's when you go to like your anonymous like your voice the voice masking yeah. thing is like mm -hmm. anonymous company um <laughs> in robot yeah, we just, voice we, um, we had a measurement and you just cut out a piece of cardboard and it did the job yeah. but yeah startup, I'm paying I don't my think... shirts because yeah yeah no. it's too much work anyway sorry go ahead Ben okay so the startup has a new novel way and so how's how how do they get that new way of doing something across to people and tell them it will be successful if you give me money? Oh boy. All right. So we're talking about take an idea. You have an idea. You're a person with a really good idea. Uh, side note, I think nine out of 10 ideas are good because ideas are usually generated because you're experiencing a pain point in your life. Something you did is frustrating. I don't know, your toilet seat's cold. Mm -hmm. Whatever the fuck is your problem. Uh, so yeah, you got a toilet yeah, seat you have a problem. heating plan. Your idea is a heated toilet seat. Cool. That's not a bad idea. The rest of it, though, is how do you pitch for money and convince people that this is a worthwhile business? And that's where it gets tricky. That's where you see... Because, like, you could light the seat on fire. Exactly. You could light it on fire. That warms it up. Uh, you could just have a heater yeah. in your bathroom is called yeah. an alternative value proposition. Um, or you could make a hyper-advanced toilet seat that people actually want for one reason yeah. or another, but is cost-prohibitive to make. And while you had a great idea, the business is not a great business, mm -hmm. which is where I think businesses actually fail. You know, the, the classic trope is that one in 10 startups succeed, which I think is a really, really confident estimate, if I'm honest. I would go like one in a hundred, but you know, one in 10 that go through an accelerator program and actually get to pitching stage. Okay. But that's where you hit the wall of sure. Your idea is amazing. Do you have the business model to back it up? Do your material, your cost of materials make sense? Does the engineering involved to make this thing a reality mm -hmm. make sense financially? You have to pay five or six engineers to make your toilet seat or a table slapper. You can make a robot that slaps yeah. tables. But does it make sense financially is where the pitch begins. You have an idea. It's great. You need money. Someone's only going to give you money if you can give them a return on investment. So does your business make money? And that's that's the question that you're actually answering when you pitch to people. Okay. And so you and you don't have to have all the answers. You just have to have enough of the answers. Right. You have where, to prove like, that you have thought through the go-to-market mm -hmm. scheme. Like you have, like, I've researched the cost of a, like, Raspberry Pi. I've researched the cost of toilet seats. I've researched the cost of electrical wiring. I've researched the cost of manufacture, and I've researched distribution. I need your money because I need an engineer that can make that toilet seat not electrocute people exactly. who sit on it. Or you could be like, I have an engineer. We've proved it can work. Here's our initial thing. We just can't distribute it. So we are asking for your money to distribute it. But you need to have 
solved the other parts of it. Right. You have you to give the VCs like, this is what you are solving for mm -hmm. me. Right. Which is exactly why you're asking for money. If you reach the point of asking for a million dollars and you know why you need that million dollars, maybe it's for distribution, maybe it's for non-recurring engineering costs, uh, you are asking for money because you have a use for it. If you have a use for it, you probably understand the next steps that your business yeah. needs to take. So like pitching to venture capitalists, you aren't asking for money to make a company. You're asking for money to take the next step. Yeah, step, one, that, step, yeah, that's two, step one, step three. So when do you do, or in all cases, do you do a business plan and a pitch deck or is the pitch deck like the thing that you send somewhat like a cover letter kind of thing where you're like hey here's here's the high mm -hmm. or the highlights the key points whatever for what my idea is and that gets you in the door and then you're presenting doing like a whole pitch presentation like business plan all that kind of shit or like what's the oh, how man. do you do that this is it's difficult to do an episode on just pitchings. You have to talk the rest about it or <laughs> talk about the rest of it. Jesus Christ as well. Uh, like your financial Jesus Christ is usually involved. Oh, oh my God. The amount of butt pucker in a startup. <laughs> you are not ready. I don't care how ready you think you are. You are not ready and it's going to be a great adventure. Well, especially uh, when you realize how much money's on the table. Yeah. At, at like a pitch, like a conference where you can go up and pitch to a bunch of VCs. Ooh, welcome to two people signed on. You're now responsible for $5 million dollars and they have 27 attorneys looking at you enjoy sounds yeah. terrible yeah oh yeah, sounds yeah. terrible although it's not that bad i will go on that tangent later but <laughs> i mean is five million dollars really <laughs> that much money let's be honest to them not really well <laughs> depends there are also startups that pitch to corporations rather than venture capital but specifically talking about venture capital pitches uh your question was around like what are you what are you making a pitch for and where do you pitch or when yeah or, or like, like what's, how, how what's the difference much, between, like do you build your like pitch a, deck a, a, oh sorry all you all you <laughs> yeah you're fucking right um what's like when do you do a pitch deck in the process what's the point of a pitch deck versus just like doing a presentation is like your your introduction to people <laughs> kind of thing the stupid answer is like 10 minutes in. You have an idea, right? Heated toilet seats. I hate, that one's kind of boring. Slapping tables was better. Table slappers. That was way more entertaining. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, or catapulting children. Yeah. Ooh, I like catapulting children. All right, so we're throwing children at buildings. <laughs> uh, you have this right. idea. Catapulting, yeah. You somehow yep. get around labor laws. Well, they're only working for so long. That's the big requirement for child labor. Yeah, but there's always more kids. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe. that's what I'm saying. They're only working, but each child's only working for so long. So you True. I wonder how many throws you get per program. child. That's going to be an operating cost. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Yeah. when do you make the pitch for throwing children? Honestly, you start the moment you have the idea. Because your pitch deck is also helping you determine your value proposition to communicate it. You're pitching why you want to throw kids at houses. Probably a great reason. I'm on board. Who, Who doesn't? doesn't? Um, <laughs> but you're not going to like, you're not going to sit down at your desk and you're not going to open PowerPoint and have, you know, in half an hour, a fully fleshed out pitch deck with your, you know, your team as your first slide, your initial value proposition, uh, maybe team's first slide, but you're not going to go all the way through and have an appendix of like financial, that that's a different pitch deck. Your pitch deck to start is going to be in your head of like literally just the problem that you're trying to solve. Houses are not being painted violently enough. <laughs> we have a solution <laughs> that is employing high schoolers nationwide. Yep. Boom. There you go. That's Prime reduced. Yeah. So you're starting with that kind of elevator pitch, if you will, that gets refined over time. But you do move into okay, wait, maybe I have something. Maybe that wasn't just a drunk conversation. Maybe I have something that I should discuss with a couple people. Uh, and then you start planning. You know, what materials does it take to create? Do I need a bunch of engineering to create it? Do I need a bunch of uh, like financial knowledge, insurance knowledge, legal knowledge to create this? You start costing for things. And when you start looking at that roadmap, you begin, you sit down with PowerPoint. That's when you make your powerpoint of what your thing is and again i would not pitch to someone at this point that is not having your pitch does not mean you're pitching it means you have a singular 
honestly file on your desktop that is your value proposition that you are constantly refining and constantly defining what you think the world needs so like at this point we've realized catapults aren't as accurate as we'd like them to be so we've transitioned to cannons air cannons we are now air cannoning children Mm -hmm. the sides of houses oh yeah you put a bunch of paint behind them absolutely yep so originally yeah. we were like okay great idea catapults then we realized but i need to provide value like i need to make sure that i can only launch 15 children i need those 15 children to count mm-hmm. so i need to have something that's more accurate than a catapult and this is all exactly. part of that process i had my initial one of like i had a great idea to bar catapult children and, houses. and then i have my file mm-hmm. on my computer where i'm like catapult though question mark and then i go canon question mark parentheses and then canon exclamation mark yeah and then i start costing out how much like do i want to go with howitzer civil war cannon what kind of cannon am i running are you rifling the barrel to spin the children yeah am i like and how how uh decorative am i going to make the cannons the kids want to hop back into the cannon Like, do I make it a carnival ride or do they know this is a job that they say? Like going to the dentist. Yeah. Um, I think our episode title is Kids and Cannons. Kids and Cannons. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, no, that's solid. Okay, so a pitch deck is something you're initially creating for yourself as kind of like a high level outline of what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you're refining the process through like is that when you would do like business planning stuff or like more like that kind of thing like exactly the operational strategy like okay you're you're gonna dive into your business strategy which is extremely broad uh that's when you're gonna go into the business model canvas if you watch that episode with okay i have an idea what are all the puzzle pieces you know what what customers do i need what supply chain do i need what kind of platform do i need to charge on is this a cash only business because it's probably still illegal to uh canon children at houses maybe but those are the considerations that your pitch deck is going to take but you start talking about your audience more so your pitch deck branches from just your thought dump onto a powerpoint to what is my audience and your first pitch honestly should be for practice. Find a local organization. You're not pitching for money. You're pitching to network. I'm trying to remember the name. It's not like, it's similar to Fireside Chats. It's like Embers or uh, something like that. There's a lot of local startup organizations, but that's one in the Pacific Northwest that hosts a lot of pitch competitions for you know newer startups. Absolutely anyone can pitch. You just come in, you pitch, it's hosted by a local organization. There's like 30 people in the audience, largely from other startups, and you are just meeting people. And people you would kind of be surprised at might be in the audience there. But that's an audience. So it's kind of like, it's like Toastmasters, but for pitches specifically. Yes. Oh, Pitchmasters. Oh, that'd be a good show. Coming to Netflix this fall. Oh my God. Pitchmasters. Is that our next idea? greatest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. But you're thinking about that audience. Your your other pitch, you will have like, let's go back to the details on your desktop in your folder that is my shitty startup, uh, yeeting kids. (laughs) You're going to have a couple PowerPoint files. One is going to be for this early on networking that is literally just your idea, your initial thoughts on your target market and your initial plan to get there. And, And your goal is talk to me. Your goal is I want your input. Your goal is I want to meet you. So six months from now, when I have a problem, I can call you, Mr. Finance Guy, who happened to be at this networking event, uh, and get some insight because advisors are super valuable. Your other file on your desktop is going to start being for real money. You're going to realize, shit, I need to build 27 cannons to prove my point. Okay, I need to build three cannons to prove my point. I need the steel. I need, you know, the compressed air. I need the paint. I need some fuckers willing to let me eat kids at their homes. And the engineers. Preferably the engineers. And the kids. engineers. That's how you do cost saving. Engineers are too expensive. Yeah, you you better. Get an engineer and then you use their No, kids. their kids. <laughs> Uh, but that that deck is going to be way more technical in nature it's going to be this is what i need right now this is going to be why i need it you're going to have an end goal right like start 30 seconds end goal and then dive right into this is what i need in the short term and why i'm pitching to you but yeah so your pitch is going to branch off into 10 15 20 different files in your desktop depending on your audience Oh, so if I'm like, if I'm going for, I just need initial startup. I need to buy three cannons. I need to buy two engineers. 
and preferably their children's silence. I like that you buy the engineers. You don't hire them. <laughs> we bought them. <laughs> and then we were buying their children's yeah. silence. And so like that, like my first pitch, like is that Fisher Price, my first pitch. Uh, <laughs> my, my, my first pitch with like the giant buttons and stuff yes. is uh, give me money yeah. for steel, air, engineers, and children's silence. Yep. And then, so that initial pitch could just be for that. And those exactly. people say, we like this. We're going to give you, and like, what kind of trades can you make at a pitch? Could that person say, we believe in your idea, but it's not fully fleshed out ooh, yet. Ooh. So therefore, I want to take 50% of whatever your company makes from now on. Or will they just be like, I want $5 million. And at the end of this, I want $17 million mm -hmm. back. Concessions are a big question. Usually don't happen too much at the seed stage. The seed stage being like zero to $100,000 or under a million dollars. You're looking at, you're, you're not making money yet. You're pre-revenue. You have not yeeted kids for money, but you have a great yes. idea. You have a roadmap. You have managed to get in front of some investors after being in a networking event. Mm -hmm. And you might make con some concessions at that point. You might say, okay, okay. The kids are going to be five and up. Fine accepted give me your money mm -hmm. and that's fine those are concessions as part of opening a business if this person yeah. is going to give you money you should probably listen to their input and insight whatever it might be concessions really start to be a thing in series a or series b you know like one to ten million or upwards of a hundred million dollars later on when that is some serious money and they will make serious demands of your business. And a not uncommon demand is that the CEO steps down, mm -hmm. either is purchased out of the business mm -hmm. or simply steps down to be an advisor or a managerial role. And for $10 million, they would like to put in their own trusted CEO that yeah. has started five companies with this venture firm. Which, I mean, makes sense from like a, a psychology standpoint of people who have great ideas and get people on board with great ideas are usually not the person that can actually execute that idea. Exactly. And so it makes sense yeah. for a VC to be like, listen, like you're the idea guy, stay on board, be our chief, whatever, our like chief growth officer or whatever. Mm -hmm. We want that. But like, we need someone who is going to put the rubber to the road not just pie in the sky oh these are all great ideas and like yeah this is awesome and everyone's like wow they're super charismatic i love working for him but that's how you get like the failed company turns out you don't have... understand operations yeah. whatsoever well and it's like you even if they like do a lot right. of times those people just don't have the long-term vision and as soon as they start to slow down it just starts so it's like it makes sense that a vc would be like all right our guy is coming in because this exactly. guy does give us a return of investment and that's that is a, a serious stage of a startup because that's when you go from a startup to a company. And you're like IPO kind yeah. of world. Maybe. Depends on the company. But I mean, Christian, you work big box retail, right? You understand operations and, <laughs> and existing on the floor. <laughs> yeah. How much is involved with just managing a single storefront? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh... exactly. Yeah, because you're talking about like, so at the time in which I was there, we referred to store size usually uh, by previous company. square, yeah, previous company, um, we, re we referred to stores by like the size of the square footage usually. So like 35K, 45K, because that also determined the size of the revenue band usually. So it was like, that's just kind of the colloquialism. I don't know if it's still referred to in that way, because it's been not quite long enough, but a while since I've worked <laughs> there. Um but yeah, it's crazy because you're talking like our store would have to produce $40 million a year in revenue, which is like, that's a shit ton of money. So you have a general manager and they went, you know, they've gone through various reorgs over the last like 10, 15 years. Um, when I was there, I started in 2005 and then, you know, 2008 happened um, and we had some drama. Yeah. I don't remember <laughs> any of that. <laughs> a bit rough all of all of our competitors unnamed went out of business um and somehow we hung on by the skin of our teeth so anyway um but yeah you're talking like a store like a general manager is responsible for 40 million dollars in fucking sales like that's batshit crazy um and then they would have teams of say three to five assistant managers depending on where we're at in reorgs and then um usually department supervisors under that so there's 10 to 15 leaders 
for $40 million and you have to motivate a bunch of teenagers and college kids to give a shit about what they're doing. Like, it's just... What if you had cannons? (laughs) Oh my God, dude. If we had had cannons to like yeet the shitty customers out of the fucking store, like... (laughs) um, God, that would have been amazing. But um, yeah, we would have been motivated. I would, the team would often be motivated by silly little things like we're trying to get um, financing applications. And so for every person in the store that gets a financing application, you get to tie a balloon to me and I have to walk around all day with a bunch of balloons tied to my belt. So <laughs> That's incredible. it would always, oh yeah, dude, I have pictures that still pop up on my Facebook feed of me standing in unnamed retail location with just like a cloud of like up style balloons and then it would get weird and people would start like doodling things and like making flowers and shit so it was just like the little things but I mean that doesn't sustain you for like 165 days that's like a let's have a fun little weekend with a barbecue and a balloon competition yeah dude it's it's nuts because it's like just even describing it from like that perspective of like how much actual money we're responsible for <laughs> is a little mind blowing because yeah. it's like I don't think we made enough money. <laughs> um, although I mean, we did I get mean, paid well. Like in summation, um, you cannot do especially when you're talking about millions of dollars and sometimes even hundreds of thousands of dollars. You can't do all of the things like you were saying. The idea of people aren't usually the executors, and if they are, if they can do both, they usually can't do both at the same time effectively. So you need to have somebody else other people, a team of people, experts involved that can help you in the other areas that maybe you're not we or maybe you're not as experienced in or you just don't really love to do as much because usually the idea people love ideas and coming up with those yeah. solutions and new ways to do things. So in a store that's making or supposed to make $40 million a year, you can't do that alone. There has to be multiple levels of leadership and other people involved because you've got logistics and warehouse and customer service and front end and sales. Like you can't just do it all yourself. So exactly. Um, so ben, yeah. Oh, sorry. Did, did, where you fin- I, I don't want to get you off. Oh, but... did, the, did the middle of my sentence interrupt the beginning of yours <laughs> pardon you dick oh, go on <laughs> so no, the, I, go I guess the question is as someone who has pitched do you go into the pitch being having to come to terms with what concessions you will probably have to make absolutely so you go in being like i understand i'm the ceo or i understand that we think this is going to be a business but we will probably be bought out rather than funded yes Absolutely. And it, it depends on your goal. Again, everything is goal oriented. If I'm standing in front of someone for, you know, five minutes or 10 minutes, everything is about the goal. Because if my goal is to entertain them, I'm not even going to pitch about my business. If my goal is to get money for this business, I'm going to talk about, okay, maybe why I need that money. But depending on who that individual is, they might understand the problem or they might understand the, the future, you mm-hmm. know, the value proposition. And so everything is oriented to just understanding your audience and what you're trying to get out of it. But around actually walking into that understanding, like, man, we might, we might have to make some concessions here. Absolutely. Like walk into that understanding what your goal is and what you're willing to give up to reach that goal. Honestly, what your CEO is willing to give up to reach that goal. Usually the CEO is the one with the idea. They're often not the one with 30 years uh, in supply chain management to actually build your supply chain for you. Like that requires building a team. Usually a CEO is going to be someone who is replaced with a bunch of experience, et cetera. And you walk into that pitch knowing like, yeah, I might uh, in a week or two, I might not be the CEO of this company, but that is all about executing towards the vision that we have. Cause you also didn't have $10 million a week ago. Mm-hmm. Like the other part of that coin is that someone believes in you. The fact that you're the CEO isn't that they aren't believing in you. It's that that isn't the role for you at the moment. Everyone in this equation is still on the same team, if that makes sense. Yeah, because they, if they're giving you $10 million, they're expecting at least $10 million back. And they don't want you to fail. You go into this pitch also recognizing that they're on the other side of the table. It's relatively adversarial in nature. That's probably not quite the right word, investigative. Uh, They're going to ream you a new asshole with questions Mm -hmm. on financials, on value proposition, on market segment, on what you've done so far. Business Uh, assumptions. Yeah, business assumptions. Questions you've never even thought thought of and you're going to stand there stammering and then they're going to be like all right so we have 10 million dollars for you they're going to walk over to your side of the table and be like now we don't want you to fail 
You're managing $10 million for us. Absolutely. We're going to help you out with connections. We're going to help you out with a 30 year experience supply chain manager. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, like putting, yeah, helping you put the right people in the right chairs to make sure that it's successful for everyone, which makes sense. I feel like that'd be such a scary because it's one of the things that I learned about myself when it comes to either participating in nonprofits and or working in corporate life. I no longer wish to adhere to anyone else's expectations. <laughs> um, I've gone full tilt to the other side. I'm like, fuck this shit. I want to do things my way, which is how I've always been. I've just kept trying to like, it you out, know, finally. stifle it. You, yeah. just put a, yeah. you just put a polo yeah. shirt oh. on and pretended it didn't exist. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> my own wants and needs, no thank you. Um, I'll pretend that I care about this corporate hubbub and bullshit. But yeah, it's like, I couldn't, there's no way I could let go of any of the stuff that I like launching my business or my nonprofit, any of that stuff. I'm like, I refuse, (laughs) but I also have some of those skills and capabilities. So like, I would be like, Hey, this is the thing I really want to do. I don't want to do all this shit. Like I care a lot about the details, how they happen, what happens. I'm great at leadership. I'm good at building a team. I'm very good at the big picture. I hate doing all the other shit. Let's find people for those things. Like Like, give me a strategy. I don't, yeah, or make me the COO, I guess. But I I don't know. Yeah, it made me want to throw up a little bit. Um, <laughs> you can, like, give me a COO and a CFO, and I can be the CEO. What will make you that, really, so, really uncomfortable yeah. is that for most of those big startups that happen, for most startups that receive venture capital in the traditional sense, the founder's pool is around 7%. Like, say you have three founders. You just have 7% of the company split between you guys. The rest of it has been given away for funding to make this business a reality. But I almost feel like to your, like, so when we're talking about like venture capitalists and that as a business model specifically, like startups is almost the other side of that. It's like, Hey, we have this really great idea. We've like flushed out like the, um, operational concepts and cost structures and pricing strategy and blah, 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 whatever. And now we're like, Hey, this is a super good idea. And it's a viable business concept. Please buy this from us. We no longer have to do work and we just make a fucking killing because you guys thought it was a good idea. So now it's essentially like residual income, right? I mean, it could be. It could be. That's kind of the goal. That's often the goal. Uh, that's what's called the exit for most startups. When you pitch to a VC ah. firm for like seed funding, series A, B, C, you are very much running the business. You might only own 1.2% of the business. You are the CEO of this business. And the rest of it is has been given away for that funding. But you're still owning 1.2%. You still own that, like those stock options or whatever is vesting in the future your company goes public, that's your exit, right? You you sell your shares on whatever agreement you have, um, or the company is purchased by another firm, which again, you can pitch to like a Fortune 50 company rather than a VC firm. And they're just like, yeah, we'll buy you and integrate you. Um, oh, yeah. That that's the sense. exit, Good, right? Because you're not going to be a startup founder like, oh, I'm going to, okay, you are out to change the world, to be fair. Definitely have that attitude. But you're not like, I'm out to change the world for free and then I disappear into obscurity. No, you want your yacht. Like everyone wants their yacht. And so that's the exit. And your exit can absolutely be valid if it's, we want to get purchased. In five years, we have something that is valid for an existing industry. And one of the big players in this industry, you know, maybe Samsung, Apple, Microsoft, whatever it might be, is going to purchase us. Or... Your exit is, I'm going to run this company for 20 years and make dividends. I'm going to pay myself the profits from the company and we're never going to go public. Also fair, but you have to understand what that is. You have to know what you're doing from the start. Because I feel like some, for some like startup companies, their pedigree is that they started eight companies that have been bought Mm -hmm. by Facebook or whoever, whoever, and that's their pedigree. That's when they go to VC and they like... I have started eight companies. Seven of them have been bought by Facebook. So I would also like yep. to start a company. Would you like to give me money so we can both get bought? And that's also Facebook. who works for a VC firm, yeah. right? The person at the end of the line evaluating whether your startup is worth investing in is someone who probably has four or five successful exits. 
-hmm. And that's just like, hey, I've done this before. I'm familiar evaluating, like, I see your red flags that I experienced. And that's why I'm qualified to evaluate you Mm -hmm. as, you know, as a startup. That's for the huge firms. That's for Y Combinator down in the Bay Area. Uh, For smaller firms like Elevate Capital in Portland, that's a couple million dollars. You know, you're looking at a lot of more business analysts, not they can't afford someone who has five successful exits to be just an analyst with mm-hmm. them. Um, so it, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, a lot, a lot more of the audience still understand very much who you're pitching to and why. But so, uh, speaking of audience and understanding who you're pitching to, um, my big question is: Are VC pitch sessions like prom? Uh, <laughs> do we have themes like I want to be bought by a tech company pitch conference? I want to just get money to start this cool business that will change the way people mm-hmm. play arcades and bars pitch conference. I want to sell this company to a uh, Lowe's Home Depot, mm-hmm. et cetera, home improvement place company. Like, are there, do they have like prom themes where mm-hmm. you show up and you can tailor your pitch deck to be right. a thing? Or do you just have to kind of go in and be like, fuck it, I got 15 slides and I have 45 <laughs> seconds to hide four of Two them. Two hours of sleep, yes. a lot of cocaine, and a fucking yeah. dream. And then I'm going to hide four of my slides <laughs> because I read the room. Yeah. Or like, and then if someone asks further questions, I can unhide slides. So I did think this episode was going to be more on the 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 structure of the pitch rather than the why. Yeah. The I, that was my like, oh, that next was question was like. Me making <laughs> yeah. a sign over here just making an ass of you and me um but no i i will freely say that i only have experience through like later seed funding i don't have experience with series b series c like 50 million dollars 100 million dollars that is a completely different kind of pitch yeah because you're already proven and what you're asking for is proving an expansion why you need another hundred million dollars that kind of thing and that that is a very very late stage if you get there you made it you don't need my advice just like keep fucking going but that's gonna um, be like a prom day like, right they're themed like, yeah they know what they want in, in a seed funding round it's a lot of networking and it's a lot of people looking at you with their eyebrows raised. So it's a middle school dance. Yes. Seed funding is a middle uh, school dance. Yeah. Later stage. I love, like it. A whole bunch yeah. of people yeah, looking make, at you like, fucking make, really? Like, show me. Yeah. yeah show you're me you're awkward us- and I'm awkward, so I'm going to be uncomfortable and make you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. That's like my jam right there. Um, those are those are good analogies. Too. I feel like that's shit that's like, oh, okay. That When you said, I was like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Like deeply uncomfortable, but societal pressure. So here we are spinning slowly around a dance floor. Yay. Um, so my, yeah, my recap wrap up question, I guess, is what are the pieces of a pitch deck? Right. Excellent question. Uh, I don't know if we can Thank like you. Whoop, edit this to the beginning, but the pieces of nah. pitch deck. Um, Why would we do that? Yeah. Again, are totally your goal. Like what, what are you trying to accomplish by talking to this person? You do this all the time. You do this in your normal conversation. You did this when you were five and asking your parents for a Lego from Toys R Us. Like, "Mm, actually, I think I need this because I won't be an absolute terror this afternoon. Uh, That's a pitch. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like yeah that's a pitch yeah. um but the structure of a when you think of pitch you think of like shark tank there are five people sitting in front of me and they're gonna just destroy my business and me personally and it's gonna suck but maybe they'll give me money at the end of it the biggest thing for that kind of pitch is conveying your value proposition and you could do a whole episode on value proposition but you have your intro in the first 10 to 15 seconds The audience needs to understand what industry you're discussing. You know, is it medical? Is it automotive? Is it aerospace? Is it insurance? Is it a new industry? Are you literally like, this is brand new. You've never fucking seen this before. Uh, It's a sham wow. And like you need to, consumer goods is what the sham wow would be. But what industry you're working in. Launching children out of cans just for funsies. Right. Oh, right. We're pushing something. All right. Just for funsies. mm -hmm. It's a new industry. We are in functionally the the construction business is like what all of that home improvement, painting houses would fall under. Uh, So we're in the home improvement business. There is a problem. You know, the traditional way of painting houses is garbage. And I have a solution. And now by 30 seconds, 
you're on to your method, right? You understand the industry. You understand the specific part of the industry that you are adding to, changing, solving. And then you're talking about what you are solving. For kids launching cannons, you're like, I have a method that by launching kids out of cannons, I immediately start with what I'm doing. I'm able to paint houses more rapidly at cost with reusable, maybe, materials. Uh, <laughs> depends on the resilience of children. Um, Fingers crossed. Then, they're bouncy. Right? <laughs> and that's the first, like, 50 seconds, 30 seconds, honestly. The faster you get this information conveyed, the better. The rest of your pitch is why. Now that everyone's on board, you've got everyone on your bus, and you're like, all right, now come on this journey with me while I tell you why this is a good idea. And then you enter into like, how big is the current industry? You know, you have a graph with dollars in a bubble and then smaller dollars in your target market. Then you move into like supply chain, what struggles other people have. Then you move into like competitors later on, maybe. Most often it would be substitutes. A substitute or threat of substitute might be traditional house painting. You want to address the fact that, yeah, people could paint their house I don't know with the lame way with old people. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, right. Sure, but sure. You, yeah. You get more and more detailed as you go after you get everyone on that bus with you in the first 30 seconds. Everyone on the bus moving in the same direction. And that's pitching. Okay, cool. So what happens? You lock someone in a bus with you and then you you reenact speed. No one gets off the bus and you just drive it at a high speed at that point in time. Got it. Easy, super easy. And I'm like, is that yeah. movie? If Keanu Reeves can <laughs> drive a bus at 55 miles an hour and save everybody, I can sell my business to a venture capitalist. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You believe in yourself, bud. <laughs> You're going to launch your, what was the freedom for? Oh, thank you for your service underwear. Yep. Oh, yep. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Man, that was cool. Light breathable cups you in all the right places and none of the wrong ones. Actually you know. supportive, uh, good health care. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Wait, it probably yeah. screams oh, we're not all in cancer, frankly. Yeah, we're, we're not talking about Canada. We'll pitch in Canada. They're going to be like, we're going to have to bleep out all of the swear words and you're going to have to eat poutine while you talk, but it's fine. Yeah, okay. Ooh, on board. Um, give me, give, send, yeah. send here. What's some, oh, Molson. I was like, what's a, what's a traditional Canadian beer? It's like, yeah, well, we'll have to like bleep out everything we're drinking. It's just like Molson. <laughs> and then, and oh, it'll be like, it's here, like, so, oh, here's yeah. my Dunkin' Donuts. Here's my Molson. Like, yeah. oh yeah. No, it's Tim Hortons. It's Tim Hortons. Oh yeah, Hortons. Yeah, yeah. It's also All right. Molson Coors. They own Coors. I thought Coors what? owned Molson. Is it the other way around? They might've just done a merger, mm. but the company is Molson Coors. But isn't Anheuser-Busch Coors? No, Anheuser Busch is. Oh, is that Bud? Yep, that's Budweiser. Oh. They're the two, like fighting. Yeah, they're like, you know, we gotta keep these white trash people. Maybe Pepsi owns Natty Light. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that would make sense. Probably. All Jesus I know Christ. is that uh, Anheuser Busch does own Ten Barrel. Mm-hmm. Oh, been. that means Ten Barrel sold out. Oh, oh yeah. a long time ago, but it's fine. It's like, okay. Like six years ago, they sold out. No, I mean, good for them, right? That's the dream. That's literally they, what we're talking about. They it's did like, an exit. The founders fucking bounced. Well, yeah. not, no, I mean, the nice thing was the founders were still there because their actual buy agreement was mm. we still get a certain amount of thousands of gallons of stuff we want to make. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can't tell us no. And then, and then Bush said, that's fine because we need billions of gallons of whatever. Fun case study adventure to go on is the current state of craft brewing where Molson Coors has been buying and destroying. Like they tried to buy Samuel Adams and just get rid of it, replace it with Coors or whatever shitty beer. Yeah. Uh, Anheuser-Busch has actually taken a new approach recently of buy and leave in place. Mm -hmm. Like it's old guard hanging on. Maybe that's the right answer. I don't know. Versus a company recognizing they need to change, realizing that Bush Light is not going to be the beer of the next generation and buying other companies and being a portfolio holder of all these microbrews. Oh, which is the better. I mean, that's the better choice. Oh, yeah. No, I completely agree with Anheuser Bush. But like, Ooh, I, that makes me feel dirty, though. That's the new business <laughs> model is they're going to be the PepsiCo of beers where like, yeah, you have your craft brew. You have no idea it's owned by Anheuser Bush. Yeah. Like fucking Nabisco, man. Like they own like oh, yeah. the world. Nabisco, Unilever as well. Nestle. Nestle. 
Yeah, yeah, Nestle yeah. Owns half or of actually, maybe, you ever maybe Nestle owns. Does Nestle own Nabisco? Yep. I, anyway, whatever. Yeah, like, yes. Yeah, Nestle um, owns everything. Nestle owns. If you put it in your mouth, yeah. Nestle probably owns it. And then at the end of that, yeah, sure no, yes, there. yes, also yes. Title Todd, of your sex tape. Yep, Nabisco. Oreo Daddy. <laughs> Oreo Daddy. Nestle owns Oreo Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> good good uh anywho okay so what did we learn from this episode david Ooh, well we learned some uh, phenomenal things uh the main things we learned is that um well <laughs> i mean I, i'm gonna sum it up in a different way than what we actually learned which is the best way to sum up what we learned by going in a, a different direction but i feel like the big thing I is think... <laughs> no the I'm best part here, is that... dave She's not laughing. No, at you. no. Like, but we're not actually laughing at you. That's really the best part. Is it like you just deconstructed and Ben and I were having a shared joke because he fucking drooled beer all over himself again. <laughs> that was moment. And you're just you're just over here like, I know I'm an idiot. Hold on. And I'm doing my best. I'm over. <laughs> I did my fucking best. I did my fucking best. Oh I'm an adult. I'm an adult. Yes. Uh, okay anyway so for fuck's sake <laughs> david uh, what did you learn day, in this uh, episode pitch deck the big thing about a pitch deck is you have to come in with an agenda and you have to realize that that agenda may emotionally hurt you and <laughs> i i mean yeah. at, at the end of the day you like you will probably be if you're asking someone else for money that means they get to take something from you in exchange for money it's the same thing as an hourly wage worker someone mm -hmm. wants something from you therefore they will hand you money for that thing it's the same situation with the business and so with the pitch deck you are trying to tell them why they should take less away from you because of how awesome your idea of business strategy plan, et cetera, is. Mm -hmm. And so you should always build your pitch deck so that you get as much control over your destiny and then as much money back as possible. Mm -hmm. But just know that like at the end of the day, you're here to make money. That's why you made a business. If you had a great idea, you would be a saint and you would do it for free and you would die poor. And then 70 years later, the Catholic Church would saint you. What you're doing is you're trying to make money. And you have to realize that sometimes making that money means giving up your dream and putting it into someone else's hands to mm -hmm. execute. Yeah, because you're not a billionaire. Because you're not a billionaire. Yet. So I guess the key is, uh, yeah, and then, then you can become a billionaire to then make that decision about other people's dreams. <laughs> In a really dark way, you're applying to be part of the club. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. A pitch deck um, is just um, an audition for venture capitalism. Yeah. Um, on that note uh, so the takeaway <laughs> that i got from that was yeah that was not what i got from that um <laughs> no um i feel like it so pitch decks are an evolution as you are working through the details of your idea so like you start your idea with like a high level overview of like yeah i think this is a thing i'm gonna launch kids, kids out of cannons. cannons sure yeah. kids and cannons kids and cannons and then you're like flushing out the other stuff and maybe you talk to your buddy at the bar and you're like, listen, listen, though, like I have it. I have the best fucking idea. Listen, Linda. And then it kind of evolves from there. And then you're like, oh shit, like this could actually be a viable business plan. Like how would I actually fund this? Then you move down the line. But initially it's kind of like basically what a PowerPoint should be, which is the bullet point outline of an idea of something that then has more detail and context later or during the presentation, depending on the thing. So yeah, like when you have an idea for a business, do a pitch deck question mark. Yeah. Yeah. And most of those go on like napkins, I feel like. Oh, a lot, of, a lot of pitch decks start on like napkins and cell phone notes. Start with pitching to yourself, just in your own head. Aww. Is this a good idea? Psych yourself up for it. That's so wholesome. Ben, <laughs> Ben's life advice pitch to yourself first, buddy. You're the first person that matters. <laughs> I'm send you down a dark And then David's road. like, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sell out. Sell out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ben's like, but believe in yourself. Um, <laughs> anyway. Okay. So yeah. Pitch decks by Ben. I think that's a solid rap. Also known as Kids and Cannons. I'm I love it. pretty excited to put that as the episode title. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Any, any remember, last what thoughts? The table Slapper episode because we named it something different. The Table Slapper was toxic. We named it bunnies, 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 bunnies in the Murder Zone. That one. Oh, that was good. Uh, yeah. I like Bunnies in the Murder Zone as a title. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Kids and Cannons is pretty good, too. <laughs> yeah. Everything, everything is everything terrible. Is terrible. <laughs> Fucking nailed it. <laughs>